0: This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, welcome to another quick mini vlog. I don't know if some of you noticed over the weekend, but Brass Birmingham actually passed Gloomhaven to become the number one ranked board game on boardgamegeek.com, and then slipped back down to number two, and then as the time of this recording is back up to number one, so that may change by the time I actually push publish on this video. And when I saw that, I got super excited when it initially passed the Gloomhaven. Uh, Cause I am a type of person that likes change. I like things to be different and so on. And uh, I was really excited about it. And I was like, oh, I'll make a, v- a vlog about this because what I did, and I'll have links to these geek lists below is I went and looked at all the number ones that there's ever been on Board Game Geek, And there'll be links below. Uh, there's been some joke ones uh, but sort of off the top of my head, I think I've got it memorized. You've got Brass Birmingham, Gloomhaven, which was the longest reigning number one, I believe. And you've got Puerto Rico, which is a very close second as longest reigning. And they you have Agricola, which was on there for a while. Twilight Struggle, uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, uh, Paths of the Glory, Tigris and Euphrates. And I think that's it. I'll also have another geek list there that has kind of the history so like the uh, what a game tops out as because for a while there I thought that Kalis actually hit number one but it never did it was at number two for quite a while um, some other things Hammer of Scots was number two so I'll post that geekless you can see kind of how far uh, a game made it so like I said I was really excited because Brass Birmingham has been kicking around for a while and, you know, it's kind of a, the newer iteration of Brass, which I really like. And, you know, there's been an Age of Industry and all this stuff. And so the game has kind of like been developed over time. Uh, and it was cool because it's a very different game than Gloomhaven. And Gloomhaven was a very different game than Pandemic Legacy, uh, although they do have some things in common. But th- those games are all different from Twilight Struggle, from Agricola, from Puerto Rico. And the reason it's, I think it's kind of important, relatively, is because the number one game is kind of like the face of the hobby. You could definitely argue that back and forth, you know, uh, is working geek necessarily the face of the hobby course, so to speak and all that stuff. But let's set all that kind of aside. It's the number one game theoretically on the planet right now is Brass Birmingham as of this second. (laughs) And so that got me really excited to see that change because it's a heavy Euro and all that stuff. And one of the things that I really like about this hobby for me is kind of the diversity of things that get attention and that get sort of, you know, it, a little bit is the winds of change, you know, the, the hobby kind of shifts, the demographics always are growing, and that's all kind of morphing within itself. You know, the fact that a pretty heavy Euro is the top game versus a very euro y dungeon crawl is pretty cool and you know the fact that pandemic legacy hit number one was really cool because at the time the legacy thing was such a new concept and it's neat that we've seen kind of these old you know curmudgeonly euros like puerto rico and agricola although i think puerto rico is a little bit more curmudgeonly than agricola is um you know, we had that had their time in the sun. Paths of the Glory had its time in the sun, which is like a real straightforward war game. Twilight Struggle is a war game, but kind of a more modernized war game. Twilight Struggle is in that war game arena. You know, you can argue it all you want, but it's in that thing. So you can look at like Twilight Struggle versus Brass Birmingham and Pandemic Legacy. Let's pick those three. There's such a diversity there of things. And it just really got me excited. And the thing that happened was, as I was kind of putting notes together was, oh, there was like a brigading kind of thing where a bunch of people were rating Brass Birmingham with a one. So they all went rated with a one and then they were changing the ratings to Gloomhaven to a 10 or whatever to bump Gloomhaven back up. So then it bumped up. And then the same thing happened to Gloomhaven. A lot of people were going to rank Gloomhaven with a one and then, you know, rating it with a 10 and that kind of stuff. And that really bugged the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I thought that was really stupid and petty to do that. And I was like, I'm so excited that something different is, is now number one. And Gloomhaven had the longest run ever of a number one. And it's a great game. And, you know, and then now the, the seas have changed. Because that's what shit does. It doesn't just, like, stay the same for infinity. Because that would suck. I was super excited. And then now Brass Birmingham is back to be number one. So that whole thing really kind of bugged the crap out of me. Um, And it made me kind of start thinking about a lot of things. And you could really sit here and talk about like the rating scale and how you rank on BGG because they have their own suggested thing. Like 10 is I would play this all the time. I would forsake my family and my children and just play this game. I'm exaggerating. But that's kind of what the 10 is. And then one is like I would never play even if it was the only game that I had on a desert island. I wouldn't even play it then that's kind of what a one is now everybody kind of ranks their things differently they use rankings as a way to kind of track games They don't even actually attribute any sort of quality to it so there's some nebulousness nebulousness there and so i will i will tell you how i rank games and then i will talk about one other kind of thing which is interesting And so let's just set aside my excitement. I'm still excited because Brass Birmingham's up there. And Arc Nova is probably going to jump over Brass Birmingham pretty soon because it's already at number four. And it just came out like a year ago, less than a year ago almost. And it just keeps shooting up the rankings. So I think we're going to have a new number one here probably by the end of 2023. We're going to see Arc Nova jump over everybody. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. It's still got... I think it has more copies got to get out there and more people got to play it. And that'll kind of dovetail into uh, my last point. But before I get to my last point, one point is how I rank the games. I rank them as a kind of quality. Now I had put Gloomhaven as a 10. Now you will not see Gloomhaven show up anywhere in my top 50 when I do it. Because there are other games that do that dungeon crawl thing that I have way more fun doing. Okay, I just reviewed one League of Dungeoneers. I would put that way above Gloomhaven. Okay? Now I think I ranked League of Dungeons a 9 or a 10. I can't remember. 9 because it was some iffies with the rule book, but I love that game so far. You know, I I love it. And I don't usually go back and re-rank my games because I want that kind of first sort of not initial impression, but initial sort of impressions plural. But I give Gloomhaven a 10 because it was such a friggin' achievement of all of this stuff at the time. It was legacy, it was dungeon crawly, it had Euro mechanics, like kind of Mage Knight sort of card play-ish. And all this cool stuff. It was a campaign. And if you're a Eurogamer, you liked it sometimes. And, you know, if you were like a Dungeon call person, you liked it. And, you know, kind of hit all those different b- bells and whistles. And so I give it a 10. And I rated a Brass Birmingham uh, a 9. I don't know why. It probably is a 10. There's nothing wrong with the game. Now, since this brigading happened, I actually dropped my Gloomhaven rating down to an 8. <laughs> so I'm a little bit guilty. But whatever. Kind of Like I said, it kind of ticked me off. And then I bumped Brass Birmingham from a 9 to a 10. But there are certain things like Pandemic Legacy Season 1. I gave it a flat 10. I'll never play it again. Now the Board Game Geek rating says this is what you would play at any time. But I'm never going to play a legacy game like Pandemic Legacy again as a 10. It just the rating system doesn't fit for that. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. But my quality of experience, and this is again this my subjective quality in a sense of trying to look at it in an objective way. What do I think the quality of this game is? What do I think it is? I think this is a friggin' 10, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 in this example. Because it just was a rocket ship of a story all the way through. I mean, it was, you know, I would say it wasn't a perfect experience, but it was about as p- close to perfect as you could get. And this is just what I took away. And I just admired the game on itself in a vacuum like that. And the same idea with Gloomhaven. It's not in my top 50. It's, it, I don't care about it that much. I would if you want to play Dungeon Crawl, there's a list of probably at least five or six that I would play over it. But when I take a step back and look at it, my subjective, objective kind of analysis of its quality is a ten. Because I don't think you can be purely objective about games because it just, you know, bullshit. You can't be. So, but my try to my attempt to assess it was that's a ten. Okay? But I'm happy that something else passed it. Because, frankly, I do enjoy Brass Birmingham more. If somebody said play one or the other, I'd play Brass Birmingham. So that excites me, too. But I like that it's a totally different game. But that's, so that's how I rank the games. Um, there's a lot of other games like that. Like Arboretum is another one I give a 10. Because I think for what it does... That little simple card sort of rummy-esque type of thing with a little bit of uh, area sort of mindset thing. I think it perfectly works with the ten. It's a ten because I well I would play that. In that case, I kind of fits the BGG ranking. I would probably play it any time if you know given opportunity. But it's not my favorite game. I don't even know in my top 50. But the thing is, a freaking ten. <laughs> like it's just perfectly, elegantly, discreetly great. It's just a great little filler 30 minute game. And it's perfect for what it is. Um, So if it's Barbara, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my thing. These jokers that are like brigading each other back and forth on Brassberry, this is stupid. It's dumb. It's just a dumb thing. And this whole identity gamer crap of like my identity is this style of game, that pisses me off because I, I started to make this video and I was like, this is great. We have all of these different things that are all of these kind of different identities of games that are giving me these different experiences. I don't always want to shuffle cubes and do economics and do all this stuff. Sometimes I want to mash Thanos against the Warhammer army or whatever and just trip out on this like weird shroomed out fantasy battle thing because whatever, you know, because the earth is not super great sometimes. And so sometimes I just need that to unplug and, you know, jack that IV into my vein and go that way today. You know what I mean? So... That's a, that's an awesome thing. That's one of the best parts of the hobby is that aspect is that I can push and pull and do whatever I friggin' want to do based on my mood or whatever, or whatever I feel like getting into. I can go relive the 1960 election between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. If I really want to sit down and sort of be in that mind space, that's great. That is not any better or intellectual or anything than playing Warhammer on a tabletop. It just isn't. It's just whatever you feel like. So this identity thing, which I think was what drives some of this like brigading, because how are you so invested in a game that you're going to go rate this other game that you've never played a one so your game can be on top? Don't make sense. So that dovetails into my last point here. And I will put a link to a video by Eric Martin, who works at BoardGameGeek. And he sort of reestablished um, a nice baseline for, you know, how the ratings are. I thought he, he covered it pretty pretty deftly there in this whole thing, and this kind of reaction, you know, that you see people being invested in a game and stuff. Uh, he had some different takes than me, and I, but I largely, like, 95% agreed with everything he says in that video. There was one thing that I thought... And he kind of talked around it too. So I wouldn't say I necessarily disagree with him here, um, but I just had like kind of a different spin on it. So let's just set kind of a thought experiment here. So let's say you are somebody that, and I'm going to steal a little bit from Eric. You, you're somebody that played Pandemic, didn't really like it. Like you give it a five or a six, let's say, or maybe you hated it. So you go and you rank it and that's fine. You don't like Pandemic, you give it a five, whatever you feel is appropriate based on your sort of take on it. And then Pandemic Legacy season one comes out. And you're like, ah, Legacy, maybe that seems neat, but it's Pandemic, I don't really like that. So I'm not even gonna look at it, okay? So now you are sort of logging a phantom non-rating because you didn't go and and log it. Because if you did play it, you'd probably get a five or six, maybe a four, because you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's not only is it something I don't really care for, now it's a Legacy and I have to play it 13 times. So you might even drop it down lower. But in this state that you're like, okay, I'm not even gonna play it. So most people... Eric says this and I agree with it are just going to go oh don't care for that move on and not go and actually down the game because they don't want to play it now some people will go down I've seen them especially with legacy games and other stuff they go that looks like a game I don't want to play let me make sure I give that a four or a three or a one <laughs> there are people that will do that but Eric Eric kind of talked around this. You can go watch the video and kind of get his words. But he was also like, well, in a way, the BGG ranking sort of fails because it isn't logging the normal person that doesn't want to go downvote a game. It doesn't log their thing because it could be um, very honest and sincere that they would give it a five because they just really wouldn't play it and they can kind of see that. And maybe if they did play a couple of games of it, they'd end up giving it a five anyway. But that five doesn't exist because they've moved on with their life. And I don't think... I think that's perfect. I think that's the rating system working as designed in that particular case. Because if you look at... Let's take a look at Gloomhaven. Now, like I said at the beginning, that was this perfect storm of things that people really liked. Dungeon Crawl, nice modern mechanics, legacy stuff, campaign, etc. Good combat, you know. So that was a perfect storm. And so that stretched its sort of umbrella and its little bubble and its membrane around a larger swath of people than everything else. So you know, if you take the BGG rankings as they are, it bubbled it up to the top and that's fine. That is a way, it doesn't push anything else down unnecessarily. It just happened to rise to the top in a very, I think very positive and healthy way. And I assume in a healthy way with Brass Birmingham when it hit the top, when Twilight Struggle and it hit the top and that kind of stuff. So people really love the thing that's bubbling its way to the top. Okay, so that to me, I think that's an okay sort of state to be in. Now, you can debate the aggregate algorithms and all these things that, you know, BGG does in a in a transparent and sometimes a hidden way with some of its shill ratings that it throws in fives to everything and to kind of even stuff out. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the math of that. I don't know if the math is, is good or not. Um, I think that's another debate. But I think that if the outcome of it is a lot of people love this thing, even though there's a lot of people that maybe even more people that just don't consider it they don't even think about it they pass it by then it's okay that these things bubble up to the top because these are the most enthusiastic people about it and this is where the game the enthusiasm lies in the hobby right now is like gloomhaven brass birmingham what else is up there arc nova Twilight Imperium 4th is up there. Uh, trying to remember what else is up there. Dune Imperium has really crept up over the last couple of years. So that's where the enthusiasm is. That's the important part. Because like I said, there's not really a good concrete objective, objective, objective. You can kind of be subjectively objective. I think that's possible. I think it's possible myself. And I think that's a lot of what goes on. Is It's just the enthusiasm, sort of energy, and all that stuff. That's where the energy is. Those are the games that rise up. That's Okay. That's what that indicator is. That's where the enthusiast energy is at. Now, it does lend itself to more complex games, you know, not very many family games that hit that top level and all that stuff, but I think that's okay because you might sell more copies of Ticket to Ride and you know the base game of Pandemic, and that's great, and that's another metric you can look at, and that's a metric that they can live on, and that's a good metric because you can see it's hitting a lot more homes and a lot more families, those particular games. But if you look at the BGG as where's the enthusiasm? Where's the enthusiasm gap? Where's that metric? It's right there. That that top, you know, probably 500 games on BGG, frankly, um, is where the enthusiasm is at. And I think that's a good thing. And that's what got me excited to go to talk a little bit about that. And then these jokers started brigading each other, and I'm like, ah, eh, you guys are being a bunch of jerks to each other. Be happy that something new has come. I think something new is coming. It, by the end of the year, and I said this when Gloomhaven came out, I said by the end of the year Gloomhaven's going to be the number one game on BG. I just knew it. And it, I was way late. It was by the middle of the year. I think it was by like May or June that year. It was number one. I think Ark is going to hit there. I think Ark Nova's... Maybe I'll be a little off, but Ark is going to hit number one I think probably by the end of this year 2023. And then... You know, we'll have another, a new one. I wish, I kind of wish for Brass Birmingham's sake, it would have a year or so, and they could get replaced. I kind of like that something will sit there, people will get exposed to it, you know, be excited about it, and then a completely different type of game, maybe, you know, replaces it. Although Brass and Arknova aren't really that far apart. They're different styles of Euros, but they're big, heavy Euros. Uh, but then we'll see, you know, we'll see in like five years. Maybe there'll be some, maybe League of Dungeoneers, probably not but you know, or something like that, something different. You know what I mean? Something a little, a little different than what we've seen. So that's what I like. That's what gets me excited. I think if you, your number one game that you love is getting replaced, just, just relax. (laughs) Okay. Um, that's it. Thanks.